Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast, which delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome. Welcome to episode 73 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are talking all about cannabis as medicine, specifically CBD, which is legally available in all states. In this episode, we will be interviewing Stephen Chernisky, an expert in biochemistry and plants as medicine with a focus on CBD as a healing compound. Yes, I am so excited about this episode as a lover of all things natural, and I personally have been keeping up to date over the past decade, I guess, goodness, starting in I think it was 1996 legislation when we as a country started legalizing medical use of marijuana, with now over 30 states using some form of legislation of legalization. And we're not going to get into policy and politics today and the role of marijuana as medicine necessarily, but we are going to talk about how CBD, which is the non-psychoactive compound from the plant and how it is totally legal, it will not get you high and it can be absolutely beneficial. Yes. So just in the past month or so, I've kind of had my mind blown by CBD and all of its applications. um, And I'm excited to start using it clinically as well. But in preparation for this interview, um, I started doing some research and and I previously thought of marijuana as just, you know, not something that personally interests me, more of a stoner classification. And if anything, I need to keep my head out of the clouds, Um, but (laughs) just my personality type. Um, But from our- that Vata, right? Isn't that the- uh, Yes, the Ayurvedic classification. I'm like a very airy space cadet person. And and I'm Pitta, I'm the fire. I could use some of that. (laughs) I need to be grounded. So, uh, but from our conversations, Allie, your personal use and, and my dabbling in it as well, I've been really intrigued by this topic. Yeah, I've been a huge proponent of legalization of marijuana for medical and honestly, even recreational use as a healthier alternative to many other vices out there. I think one could argue absolutely beyond the devastating effects of alcohol and vices even of foods and overeating and binging and other indulgences that cannabis may in fact be the less harmful, uh, the least harmful. And I think that especially um, as I've been delving into research for the anti-anxiety diet, the role of CBD as such a powerful tool for the anxiolytic or anti-anxiety outcomes and the relaxing effects and the benefits on stress management and release. And for those of you who follow us on Instagram, you probably have seen Allie has been adding CBD oil to her fat-fueled lattes in the morning, as well as to evening teas just to aid with brain function and relaxation. And in today's show notes, we'll make sure that we um, give you guys the link to the the line that she's been using. But let's go ahead and get into the bulk of today's content and get Stephen Chernisky on here to share up-to-date medical info on what has been seen by many as cannabis controversy. 
Okay, so a little intro on Stephen before we welcome him on. Stephen Trudisky is a nutritional biochemist and health educator. He is the best-selling author of several books on aging and health, including The Metabolic Plan, Caffeine Blues, and The DHEA Breakthrough that have collectively sold over more than 1 million copies. Stephen consulted for members of the U.S. Olympic team, served on the faculty of the American College of Sports Medicine, taught clinical nutrition at, the, at UCLA, and directed the nation's first federally licensed clinical laboratory specializing in nutrition and immunology. We sought out Stephen as an expert and lover of plants and natural medicine with special interest and expertise in cannabis. And you will learn today that he is well-versed from immunological health to biochemistry and using CBD as a alternative source to many of the drugs that are out there in commonplace for things like cancer, hormone imbalance, and beyond. Um, you can find more about Stephen and uh, information at his blog, thehealthyskeptics.com, and we will be putting links to that along with the angel butter that he will talk to you about and other fun things in the show notes. So without further ado, let's welcome on our guest, Stephen Chernitsky. So thank you so much for being on the Naturally Nourished podcast. Welcome, Stephen. Let's kick off for listeners on what the endocannabinoid system actually is and what its role in the body is and what some of the influencers of this system are. Well, it, the, the discovery of the endocannabinoid system uh, was, was a huge breakthrough because there are so many mysteries that it solved. Um, if you look at the crosstalk between the nervous system and the cardiovascular system, between the immune system and the cardiovascular and, <laughs> and immune system, the, the, the crosstalk was, was, was all over the place. And yet there didn't seem to be the classic uh, ligand and receptors that we're used to looking at when we think of crosstalk. Sure. The theory of the endocannabinoid system kind of solved a lot of mysteries because this is a system of receptors uh, and ligands that connects the, the cardiovascular, the nervous system, the immune system, um, and, and that, that balances. Think of the endocannabinoid system as being this constant balancing influence in human physiology. Um, and so that was, that was huge. And then, of course, we started to look at these ligands and, and what are they? And, and so all, all the different factors that are all derived from our diet, usually derived from essential fats, uh, and these compounds, uh, then we're able to track those compounds and see where they bind. Um, and, and those compounds, so the endocannabinoids, right, that we produce in our bodies from dietary fats, that's where the, the, the the, the things really got exciting. Um, and, and so from then on, it was just a, a matter of finding out, well, you know, what, what, what exogenous uh, uh, compounds exert influence on the endocannabinoid system. And of course, then of course, it was all the cannabinoids that come from uh, hemp and other plants, by the way, there are, there are many plants that influence the endocannabinoid system by binding to the CB1 or CB2 receptors. And so it's this, system within the body that responds to both internal metabolites as well as external compounds, as you mentioned, which typically we think of derived from the cannabis plant. And you mentioned cardiovascular system and, and was it immune system as far as, as 
the connector, if you will, of endocannabinoid to other mechanisms in the body? Or what are the primary areas that it interacts with or synergizes with? Well, uh, in terms of uh, inflammation, which, which you know, we, we all you'll look at inflammation. Any, anyone on this podcast who's dealing with, with any pathology yeah. is aware of the, the ubiquitous role of inflammation in all pathologies. Um, and so if you look at the, the influence of the endocannabinoid system on in, inflammation, you see a downregulation of IL-6, of TNF-alpha. Um, and, and these are this this downregulation of inflammatory cytokines. Uh, it, it looks a lot like DHEA, which is my favorite molecule. Uh, okay. Influence <laughs> of DHEA. It's strangely uh, uh, parallel to that of the endocannabinoid system. Now, if you also look at the the immune system, you look at the balancing of the helper suppressor ratio. Um, this again has it has the underscores the role of the endocannabinoid system in harmonizing or in maintaining homeostasis as opposed to being a immune stimulant. We think of immunity as just a stimulant versus a suppressor effect. This is a balancing effect, which is profoundly important uh, in, in, in our understanding of how immunity works. Because, uh, quite frankly, I was in pathology class back in the in the mid seventies uh, when, when a professor, uh, you know, was talking about uh, interferon, and he made the statement that you know this is the end of infection, <laughs> and I wrote I wrote that in my notebook. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And so, rather than flipping, you know, bi-directional or, or well, it is bi-directional. So rather than flipping the light switch on or off it can both upregulate or downregulate immunological response. Is that correct? It's exactly correct, and, 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 and profoundly so. Um, a recent study uh, showing that the, the topical application of, of, of CBDs, the topical application of CBDs has a profound effect on, on the killing of melanoma cells. Wow. <laughs> so yes. that's you know that that's a, that's a that's talk about turning on autophagy, um, turning on the cytotoxic ability of the immune system to to kill uh, aberrant cells. This is where this is where this research is going, and it's pretty pretty exciting, obviously. Awesome, awesome, and we'll get into more of that. Let's talk a little bit for listeners that are on kind of fringe about this topic. I, I think what's interesting to note is, you know, now a majority of the states in this country have some form of legalization of marijuana in general, whether it be now recreational or medical, and products are starting to hit the market, and consumers may feel confused about what they have access to and and what can be used. And it's important for listeners to know that the CBD compound is nationally legal, regardless of your state legislation. And I, I want to primarily focus on that compound as it's available to all of our listeners, you know, with, without controversy. But let's identify and distinguish maybe the difference between CBD and THC, which is another bioactive compound in the cannabinoid plants um, and, and kind of how they work differently in the body. Well, the, the like you said, it, it has to do with with where 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 is the activity going? Uh, primarily in the in the brain, 
Um, so if you look at, at CBD, CBD has a, has a wonderful effect. I'm talking about the, the endogenous as well as the compounds derived from hemp. And, and, this, and the CBDs have no psychoactive activity at all. Um, and, and that's been tested in doses of 1,500 milligrams a day. So even at, at a massive dose of 1,500 milligrams, and to put that in perspective, the average the soft gel capsule of CBDs that someone would take uh, for therapeutic purposes, the average CBD capsule is about 30 milligrams. So imagine right. the, the testing has been done up to 1,500 milligrams, uh, and, and so that, that's been safety studies done at that level, as well as, as looking at the, at the psychoactive component. So the CBD compounds, and there are numerous CBD compounds, but let's just call them CBDs. These compounds have an effect on, on, on dopamine. They have an effect on, on uh, GABA. And so if you look at, and I'm talking generally here, generally the CBDs um, will raise GABA and modify dopamine. So, so you would expect basically what the CBD is saying to the brain is, hey, dopamine, we, we, really, we really like what you're doing here, but we want you to hang out right here in this mid-range. Uh, hey, GABA, we really like what you do because GABA is the neurotransmitter that provides what? A, 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 basically a, an action plan. You know, when, when we are confused, uh, when we are upset, when we are anxious, we want more GABA because GABA primarily is, is devoted to creating an action plan, which is what we all want when we're anxious, right? Sure. <laughs> right, so what CBDs do is they say, hey, GABA, come on, get it, get, you know, raise up a little bit. So GABA comes up, it's GABAergic, GABA comes up uh, and it moderates the, the dopamine, whereas what happens when you have THC? <laughs> THC has a much different effect on the brain. THC says, hey, GABA, you know, relax. So THC pushes GABA down, okay. the, which is why sometimes when people get high, they get what? Paranoid. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> so, so, so at the same time, <laughs> Becky's like college days coming back. Yes. <laughs> it makes so much sense. <laughs> at the same time, THC says, says the dopamine sky's the limit dopamine. Let's go. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the chocolate bar you're eating is, is the Amazing. best chocolate bar you've ever consumed. <laughs> and then you consume four more chocolate bars right. to, you know, to fulfill that intense desire for that particular taste. So the, the difference is profound. Now, at the same time, there are people who say, well, one doesn't work well without the other. Right. I don't see that being the case. Um, uh, certainly, if that's your experience, because don't forget, we are in the beginning of this, of this revolution. This is just the beginning. And, and empirical evidence trumps theory any day of the week. Yeah. So if, 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 if you find you and the individual person experimenting with these beautiful compounds, if you find that you sleep like a rock with, a, with, 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 with basically a, a two-to-one ratio of CBD to THC, which is very common in, in dispensaries, or if you find that, that even, even a milligram of THC interferes with your sleep, that's what's real for you. Right. But like you said, Ali, when you walk into a dispensary, it's bewildering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the number of choices you have, especially in states like Washington, where I live, sure. uh, where, 
where every where everything is legal. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that there and that's the whole goal of having you on here today, Stephen, is to allow people to to reduce their anxieties of the confusion around these products. So there isn't that fear of, you know, am, am I going to get high or am, am I going to not be able to operate a vehicle or how is this going to influence me as a parent or as a professional? And I think that, like you said, there can be benefits to both compounds and it really depends on your complex chemistry equation <laughs> that's going on in your brain and based on your perception to stress, your baseline of anxiety, and where those neurotransmitters expression lie as, as your base. Um, and that can change with season, and that can change with life cycle, and so many other mechanisms. I'm sure also with your production of those, like you said, endogenous endocannabinoids, or the influence of your diet has, I'm sure, a big influence on how you'd respond to the external compounds. Well, it, it, it does. And, and again, especially when you're talking about pain, especially when you're talking about cancer, the two big ones, right? Mm-hmm. Chronic pain and cancer. Here's where, here's where people are getting astounding results and, and where we really have to, as a, as a society, where we really have to look at these compounds, the results that people are getting on these compounds versus uh, the opioids. Well, this is where we really have mm-hmm. to spend some, some, some really quality time at the legislative side, at the scientific side, at the medical side, clinical side, we really have to focus on this because the potential for pain relief and the potential for treating various types of cancer is profound. And that's where you really need to look at the combination of THC and uh, CBD. Uh, and, and, And again, where do you go for, for this information? Uh, you, you go to re- reliable sites um, where people are actually using these compounds in a clinical setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just search through you know, the YouTube, <laughs> you're going to find a, a full range of discussions, everything from people just making stuff up all the way to people talking about clinical data that's been published in the medical literature. Um, so... So it looks to me like like we are still in the experimental stage when it comes to pain relief, especially pain relief. We are in the experimental stage where a little bit of THC um, is going to do better than just applying uh, topical or, or 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 concentrates tinctures, in other words, of CBD. Um, and, and the nice thing is, in the state of Washington, when you go into a dispensary. Everything is now standardized. So so the state of Washington said you can't sell a product without identifying exactly how many milligrams of THC is in that product and how many milligrams of CBD is in that product. So at least when you walk into a dispenser here in Washington state, and I think the same is true in Oregon and Colorado and, and, and Massachusetts, every product that you pick up and look at has the exact number of milligrams of THC. So, for example, with me, uh, I know that anything under 10 milligrams of THC is going to be fine for me. Um, and and I, I, I usually keep my THC, uh, if I want to use it for sleep, for example, I usually keep my THC at less than 5 milligrams. Um, and, and at the same time, um, if, if I was going to be staying home and with my wife and we, wa- and we wanted to have a deeply you know, uh, profound experience. <laughs> sure. We might we might go with ten or even fifteen milligrams of THC, but that's staying at home and going nowhere, not operating a vehicle, and just right. having 
having an experience with someone you love. And connecting again to that idea that at that point, you're getting some of that more excitatory influence on a neurotransmitter level with the, the dopamine surge per se. And, and that's where in the evening time, uh, when you're looking for a sleep tool and something with insomnia, you'd want to reduce that excitatory and go more with that push of that inhibitory GABA compound with the, the CBD as the driver. Exactly. And, and yet, uh, if you go to a dispensary um, and you ask the person behind the counter, uh, hey, what do you use to sleep? Don't be surprised if the person behind the counter says, oh, I just, I just take this indica, which is a strain of, of cannabis. I just focus on an indica strain and, and, and I, I get high as a kite and then I go right to sleep and I wake up eight hours later and I feel like better than I felt in 20 years. So don't be surprised if someone tells you that just, just literally smoking a, a, a joint, uh, but it's a strain called indica, all right, <laughs> and, and the joke, of course, is if you smoke indica, you're gonna be in the couch. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Profoundly relaxing. Awesome. So, with CBD, um, Stephen, does it matter the the sourcing? Let's talk about sourcing and whether it's marijuana versus hemp derived, because I've come across some opinions that there's some synergy of influence that that's lost based on source. So like an isolated form versus a plant whole form. And I guess speaking to Stephen in the mindset that for those individuals that don't have access to a cross compound, sure. if something has yeah. 0% THC, does it matter at that point, the derived plant matter? or because it's, it's removed anyway. Um, you know, for those of us in Texas that don't have <laughs> dispensary access, um, does the plant that it's derived from matter? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, um, able to put my finger on it. Cause so, so this is, this is, uh, just my observation over the last, uh, five years. And, and that is that, that, and again, keep in mind that it's the wild west out there. So there's no shortage of people making stuff up, right. so if, especially if they want to sell a particular product, they can make up all kinds of stuff about the, 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 the blend of, of CBDs. Here's what we know. We know that, that industrial hemp uh, produces a material which is very high in CBDs and very low in THC. Some people think that industrial hemp contains no THC, and that's not true. Um, you know, so w the work that I've done extract, making extracts from industrial hemp, um, the best extract that I can make from industrial hemp still will have some THC, which I have to be very mindful of if I want to ship it across state lines. Sure, sure. So, so, so the rule for the rule nationwide is if the material that I am sending to Texas, for example, from Washington, if I was to send a material to Texas that had a THC content of over 0.3% THC, I would be breaking a, a federal and a state law. So obviously I don't do that. So, so number one, industrial hemp still has some THC. Is the THC, is the material, is the CBD material from, from cannabis sativa, from, from, from a pot plant, is that CBD material any better than the CBD material from, from uh, industrial hemp? I don't think so. Because when you look at the chromatograph, when you look at the chromatograph of, 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 of molecules, they're very similar. 
And, and so what I'm saying is that it's important to have a wide spectrum of CBDs. You want a wide spectrum of CBDs, which means that's going to come from where? It's going to come from plants. And listen to me. It's going to come from plants that have grown in soil that were not grown hydroponically mm -hmm. in some you know, warehouse under grow lights because that produces a more narrow band of CBDs than plants that are actually grown in soil, yeah. nourished by the minerals in the soil, nourished by the, by the full spectrum light of the sun. Those plants produce a different range of CBDs than plants that are grown hydroponically, uh, sprayed with pesticides in some warehouse under grow lights. There's a significant difference there. At the same time, listen to this and, and this is going to be <laughs> bad news for your listeners the, the the chinese have figured out how to synthesize cbds so now you have the influx and we're talking about a a a, a container loads of cbd materials coming from china that are entirely synthetic hmm. So it's a confusing world out there, and, and yet there are, there, are, there are a number of growers here in Washington and Oregon, and I'm connected to most of them, <laughs> who are saying, you know, here's what we know. We know that we grow our plants in soil. We know that <laughs> the soil is organic. In other words, it's devoid of, of chemical fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides. We know that our plants are grown under the light of the sun, and this is what we are devoted to, and the material from those leaves and from those flowers, that material, um, has a wide range or a full spectrum of CBDs. Excellent. And it, it is, it's, it's using medicine matter. So just important as the dosage and getting that standardization, the same thing goes true to, like you said, the quality put into the growing process. And then also to ensuring that in the extraction process, there aren't hexalent or volatile compounds that would be deleterious or harmful for our health with consumption or use of a product that we're using to heal. I, I totally agree. And, and so when you look at the methods that are used to, to extract the CBDs from the, the material, there are multiple ways to do that. The, the, and, and one which I'm particularly fond of is a simple olive oil, uh, <laughs> simple sure. olive oil extraction, uh, because olive oil removes um, and, and, and separates out a, a wider spectrum of CBDs from that plant material than you would get, for example, if you were using uh, supercritical CO2 or, or, or any of the solvents that are used. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you can talk to people who are, who are using you know, Rick Simpson oil for, for the treatment of cancer, who, who, who are saying that, that you can't just do an olive oil extraction. You need to use those, those, those uh, solvents uh, because the solvents can all be ex evaporated away and sure. you end up with a more powerful and potent material that is used in treating cancer. Now, uh, my wife is a double board certified family practice doctor here in, in Olympia, Washington. She does not treat cancer. Um, so, so, so we don't, we don't venture into that arena, nor do I advise people on the treatment of cancer. There's plenty of people, oncologists, good, highly trained oncologists who are now getting into that field. And thank goodness, because we do not want amateur oncologists out there uh, helping people to, to manage their, their disease. 
Right, right. And I, I think that's one of the most exciting things that, about CBD compared to many other drugs. So whether we're talking about cancer and it being an adjuvant or an additional treatment tool, you know, in addition to chemotherapy or radiation, but also in the world of, like you said, anti-inflammatories, autoimmune disease, and we're talking about drugs that are used to flip one end of the light switch. So, you know, an immunosuppressant, for instance, versus something that can be an immune modulator. Um, so I think that that's one of the excellent things that CBD has such limited side effects, at least that are known to my, to my discovery from research I've done. Do we need to worry about reliance and dependency in the endocannabinoid system with using CBD as a tool? And are there any side effects to be mindful of? There doesn't appear to be. And, and, and I mentioned a, a safety study where 1,500 milligrams right, were used. Right. Um, and, and that tells me that, that, the, that the safety profile of, of these compounds is, is pretty wide. Uh, and, and again, we've been uh, using CBDs, uh, my wife and I, uh, for many years um, and, and have not seen a single person say that they, have, they feel like they're, they're addicted to CBDs because again, it's a, it's a material which does not have a, an addiction profile. It does not ramp up um, uh, any of the, 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 the addiction triggers. Uh, it's not like a benzodiazepine. It's not like right. any, of, uh, any of the dopaminergic compounds that people rely on and then can't do without. Um, the, this scary thing about, about addictive addictive drugs, of course, and addictive compounds. The scary thing is that there is an alteration of brain chemistry in which without that substance, you can't feel good. Right. Which is why meth, for example, is, 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 is just such an unmitigated disaster. And then the opioids are such an unmitigated mm -hmm. Because at a certain point, you can't have those feelings without that. CBDs is remarkably different. Think of CBDs as as a leveling, a, as a leveling effect. So, so if you're too high, it's going to bring you down to center. If you're too low, it's going to bring you up to center. It's it's a remarkable effect. And and once again, we have to look at the endocannabinoids, the, 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 the endogenous compounds that are produced by the body, all derived from essential fats. So if you, if you look at what happens to a person who is deficient in essential fats, well, what do we know about that person? We know that they're in a pro-inflammatory state. Um, we, we, we know that they, that they have, that there's a whole range of compounds that are, that are, they're not being produced. And we know that they have an increased risk for autoimmune disease. Why? Because the compounds, the, and, and they're called resolvins and protectins. These compounds, resolvins and protectins, um, are, are, are endocannabinoids, right? They are produced by the body, and they have a huge effect on relaxing the immune system. So we learned long ago that, that when, and when, when the resolvins and protectins were first discovered, we were able to see how cells produce those, those, those signaling molecules after an infection. Basically, it goes like this. The, the, imagine your, your, your immune system, the, the head of your immune system, right? The general of your army, you know, brings his army together for a meeting and says, you know, congratulations, we prevailed over that, you know, bacterial infection. And I know a couple hundred billion of you died, but it was all for a good cause. And congratulations, we won. Now, now, 
put down your weapons. <laughs> Go home, and if I need you again, I'll call you. That's the message of these resolvents, right? That's the message of protectins, these compounds that are endocannabinoid compounds. Without, the, without those compounds, you don't have any, any break on the immune system. And where do they come from? Essential fats. That's so awesome to hear. And it's interesting, we talked about in our episode on breastfeeding, you know, how there is CBD naturally in breast milk and the influence of the endocannabinoid system in optimizing early infant and child development as far as an immunological protectant. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of one of those rules, like you said, it's, it's able to upregulate and then resurge <laughs> and kind of call on troops when needed, unlike a lot of those nasty immunosuppressant drugs, which then the side effects are shutting down the surveillance system of the body or the immune system, and then seeing the side effects of cancers and such, where the immune system wasn't able to call in those troops or upregulate because of that across the board, you know, blocking effect or, or, or suppressing effect. And so this, this modulating kind of breathing entity of reading the system and adjusting is, is a really empowering, awesome thing to hear about. Well, it is. And let's, let's, let's take that one step further because I, I, I love where you're going and it doesn't mean, I don't mean to take this off track, but the, the, the conventional treatment of autoimmunity is, is simply barbaric and, and stupid. Um, it, it, it basically is looking at autoimmunity and saying, hmm, all right, so the immune system is attacking, uh, you know, healthy tissue, uh, synovial fluid, if it's RA, uh, connective tissue, if it's lupus. Okay, so the immune system is attacking healthy tissue. I know, let's develop a drug that cripples the immune system. <laughs> Who thought that was a great idea? <laughs> and, and yet, that is the... Yeah treatment of autoimmunity to this day it's wild no better we know better it's like what is wrong you might need that for something else you know <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome that's a good perspective oh my gosh um so with with ali's book coming out this summer the anti-anxiety diet i know she's been really digging more into like the neurotransmitter side of anxiety influences of cbd and we've talked about gaba and dopamine but let's talk about other influences in terms of mood and sleep and regulation of that hpa access or fight or flight mode well it's it's you just hit the nail on the head the 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 idea is that we are constantly looking for for balance so we're constantly looking for homeostasis if you the hormetic response is just so intriguing and and hormesis is the way that most medicinal compounds work when mm -hmm. you come right down to it i mean you, you look at resveratrol uh for example as a metabolic modifier and and you and, and as an upregulator of, of the sirtuins and and you find when you actually look at the effect at the at the cell level resveratrol is a stressor <laughs> it's a stressor and, and and in response to that stress the body upregulates sirtuins to manage the stress and the upregulation of sirtuins has a whole cascade of beneficial effects so the, the what we have to understand is that this, this is really complex which is why i love plants this is why I love plants, because 
plants and human beings have been co-evolving since the beginning of the beginning, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so our relationship with plants is profound. We have, we have the detoxification, the transport mechanisms, the, the metabolic cofactors to deal with plant compounds. New to nature molecules, we don't have those. Yeah. New to nature molecules have, have, have unknown, and listen to this, sometimes unknowable interactions and side effects. And, you, and, and I'm not saying that all plants are, are, you know, it's impossible to find poisons and toxins in plants. There's plenty of those. But in general, if you can get the job done with a plant, it is far better than, than a new to nature compound. If you look at the research on the hypnotic um, sleep aids, right, the Ambien and the Lunesta, uh, it, it's scary yeah. what the side effects are. And no one knows why you have an increased risk for cancer the longer you take them. No one knows what the mechanism there is. We just know that the correlation is very profound. The yeah. longer you take those, those sleep aids, the, more, the, the higher is your risk for, for cancer. So it's always better to, to look for a plant source to get the job done, which is what my wife does you know, day after day after day. She talks to her patients, if, if, if we can get this job done, if we can deal with your particular issue here with a plant compound, would you be willing to try that before I have to reach for my prescription pad? Actually doing the first do no harm. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> to clinical care, wow. <laughs> But but I but I like where you're going in terms of a an anti-anxiety diet, because and I would also remind everyone on this call that that regular exercise it has an anti-anxiety effect. Breathing correct yeah. has a profound anti-anxiety effect, and then of course the, the 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 diet which is which is low in in in, in stimulants. I think has an effect. I wrote a book uh, back in 1998 called Caffeine Blues, and uh, and Warner published that, and it, it it did not reach the bestseller list because, quite frankly, people don't want to hear bad don't news. Don't want to hear it about, about <laughs> their But but Caffeine Blues was not about. Um, was not about a zero tolerance for caffeine. Basically, it was just saying, hey, folks, <laughs> this is a drug. You ought to know how much you're taking on a daily basis. You ought to know what the, what the, the, the effects are when you take too much of it. Um, and if you're drinking coffee and, and Diet Coke throughout the day, don't be surprised if you're lying in bed at 11 o'clock at night and you can't sleep. <laughs> and is that is that what the big buzz is with uh, like CBD lattes and adding CBD to coffee to help that modulate that excitatory influence and that, and try to help the adrenals a little bit? It's exactly right. You know, so in, in other words, you're, you you like the effect, the stimulant effect of caffeine. Maybe you love the ritual of making it and grinding the beans and putting it in your coffee maker. You know, people have all kinds of reasons for loving sure. coffee. Um, and so the addition of CBDs will have exactly like you said a balancing effect on the caffeine, which is a CNS stimulant and and a very effective CNS stimulant. And I'm not an anti-caffeine person. I have a cup of coffee every morning, but but I don't have 15. Right, <laughs> right. And and at that point, when you're relying on that external compound, you're overlooking addressing the root cause, which is potentially adrenal fatigue or something bigger that needs to be addressed versus that constant hamster wheel 
burnout drive. Yeah, I like I like that image, hamster wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then I, I did come across some studies in, in reference in my book on uh, CBD oil actually lowering salivary cortisol output um, and, and that there, there is some definite mechanistic effects. Is it, is it both, do you feel, you know, you mentioned the central nervous system and, and then also our, our enteric nervous system or our, our gut, you know, being the second brain of the body. Um, does it modulate both? Do you feel? Well, it, it certainly plays a role and, and we're just starting to look at the effect of CBD on, on the microflora in the gut. I think mm -hmm. it's, it would be it would be dumb to think that that it has no effect, but in terms of the 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 actual effect, because again, the the, the gut is still mysterious. I mean, right. there, are people, there are people selling probiotics that are making claims that that, that that are pretty sketchy claims. Because and look at all the people who are having their gut microbiome analyzed or or, or sequenced. And they're getting they're getting these you know four pages a four page report of all the different organisms in their gut, and yet we don't really know what all that what all that means. I mean, someday we will when there's hundreds of thousands of these reports that we can we can you know put into an artificial intelligence analysis and get correlations between you know various symptoms and various outcomes and various particular strains or probiotics but but to say that the 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 endocannabinoid system uh is is intimately connected to the to the gut microbiome i don't think that's a stretch at all um, well, and especially and, with gaba you know that's my kind of big connection because you know neurotransmitters don't cross the blood-brain barrier there's that whole controversy of if GABA as a pharma GABA chewable works for you, you might have leaky brain barrier or whatnot, but there's actual now some studies looking at it's GABA working on the enteric nervous system and playing a role with the vagus nerve and the transduction of the stress response of what makes it efficacious. So it's, it's you know, maybe different. And, and that's what I was kind of thinking when I'm, there's just not enough studies out there. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on here, Stephen, is, uh, I mean, I've been kind of, that's one of my hypotheses is I'm like, oh, well, it must work on the excitatory, um, you know, peristalsis or whatnot, there has to be a GI related influence of CBD beyond the, the central nervous system that helps in that kind of mellow out effect. And I think that's why we're seeing really cool things also with inflammatory bowel disease, um, you know, IBD, uh, whether it's Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, um, both because it's anti-inflammatory, but I think also because of it having that mellowing effect, that, that lack of spasms per se. You're exactly right, and and let's let's underscore that one more time, that there are plenty of GABA receptors in the gut, right? So so I, again, what I was at UCLA when GABA was discovered. <laughs> I'm that old, <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 so immediately after the discovery, especially when it was seen, to to when we started to understand uh, what GABA does, uh, because remember, before GABA was discovered, all we had was sedative and 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 excitatory neurotransmitters. We didn't have anything in the middle. Right. And yet here along comes GABA, and it doesn't have an excitatory effect, and it doesn't have a sedative effect. It doesn't downregulate neuron firing. Uh, but but what does it do? It it, it creates this holistic effect on the nervous system. 
which, which allows us to create an action plan. But right after that discovery, when everybody went running to their, you know, to their labs to, to synthesize GABA and to sell it in health food stores, you know, I was saying, excuse me, why are you selling that? Because that, that enormous molecule cannot possibly, you know, get to your brain. It's categorically impossible for that to happen. So why are you selling these products? And yet over the years following the discovery and, and working with patients as a clinical nutritionist, and, and I, I found it had a profound effect. Yeah, well, yeah. What do you know? It didn't have to get to the brain. There are plenty of GABA receptors in the gut. So you're, you're entirely right that that is one of the ways in which CBD compounds have a natural effect of down-regulating uh, anxiety, down-regulating cortisol, uh, balancing the cortisol DHEA ratio. Um, and then you also mentioned the treatment of of, of GI diseases, and that is something that, that anybody with a gastro GI disease, whether it's Crohn's or celiac or or ulcerative colitis, they should take a really good look at that at CBDs, especially in combination with aloe vera. Yeah, uh, because aloe vera, of course, has been used to treat ulcerative colitis, and that's in the medical literature. And 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 you'd be amazed at how many how many internal medicine docs I remind them of that, and and they look at me like I'm crazy. Aloe can treat ulcerative colitis. Yeah, it's been published in your journal. <laughs> you should do your homework, right? We have a, a product called GI Lining Powder, which has aloe and diglycerized licorice root and uh, L-glutamine. And we'll have docs run colonoscopies. Of course, we use other treatments and therapeutic diets, like you know, specific carbohydrate diet and therapeutic foods like bone broth and gelatin and what have you. But they look at us and they're like, well, what did you do? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, like you said, we used the information in your journal and applied it, exactly. <laughs> but it, it didn't have an FDA stamp and, and we got better outcomes. <laughs> now, one, one thing that, that my wife and I are working on right now um, is, is a, uh, a CBD suppository um, for, for... Oh, love that. Because there are CBD receptors on the prostate and you would think that it, putting CBDs in a, in a, in a an anal suppository, you would think that, well, wait a minute, if there's CBD receptors on the prostate and you're, you're introducing CBD material right next to that gland, maybe you're going to be driving hyperplasia. No, that's not the way CBDs work. They don't drive anything. They balance. So the effect that we're seeing in our, in our and again, it's a small clinical trial of about a dozen patients, but, but a CBD uh, a suppository uh, has a fairly rapid effect on improving prostate health, um, and and that is improving urine flow uh, as well as reducing reducing uh, lower abdominal pain. That's so interesting, and I of course then go to mesalamine and all, all of those other right drugs that we're using, and and again going back to the IBD uh, cases. But I keep me posted on the outcomes of that trial. I definitely want to learn more. Can do. So cool. I am learning so much. Um, and before we go deeper into CBD as medicine, discussing dosing and delivery, um, we want to have a word from our sponsor, Health IQ. So Health IQ is a life insurance agency that provides savings for health conscious individuals. Yes, we're happy to share this Naturally Nourished podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that lets you listeners who are mindful and proactive about your wellness get lower rates on life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com backslash Allie Miller RD 
to support the sh- at the end of the show notes to see if you qualify. So Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people. In fact, 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. We're super excited to share them as an opportunity for you all to return on your investment of your active well care. Health IQ can save customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower rate of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to those who are inactive. Again, as the work you put into your body is going to be the best return on investment and save you money in the end. So to see if you qualify, you can get your free quote today at healthiq.com backslash Allie Miller or mention the promo code Allie Miller when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Awesome. So Stephen, let's dive back in and talk about the application of CBD as medicine. So what's the best delivery form. I know we talked about the suppositories. I know we I was talked gonna say, about the suppositories yeah. might not be as I popular mean, with the common listener. No, probably not. So, so best delivery for the average person who's just kind of dabbling in this. And then um, what dosage do you recommend starting at? Well, the, the nice thing is that there's, that there are, there are, there are tinctures that, that, that provide, you know, a dropper bottle and, and you can start with like a, as, as little as a, a few drops if you wanted to just kind of dabble in it. Uh, the, the most popular one that we have uh, that, that at Healthy Skeptics uh, is a broad spectrum hemp extract, again, derived from plants that are grown in organic soil under the, under the sun, right, under the full you know, range of frequencies that, that are provided by the sun. Uh, and, and this comes in a dropper bottle, which is a one ounce bottle. Uh, it comes standardized with the bottle containing 500 milligrams of CBD, um, which means that each drop is about, uh, or each dropper full, um, is about um, 30 uh, milligrams of CBD about 30 milligrams of CBD. So, so per dropper, full. And, and that's, a, that's a, a good amount of CBDs. That's not a lot. Remember, the, this has been tested up to 1,500 milligrams. The nice thing about this particular full-spectrum hemp extract, as it's called, is that it, it, that it is a tincture with MCT oil, as opposed to a tincture, an alcohol tincture, which tends to have a burn under the tongue. Uh, I don't particularly like alcohol tinctures, although some people do. Um, a, a, an MCT tincture is soft on the tongue. Uh, it, it doesn't taste bad. Uh, you're not going to gag. You're just going to put it under your tongue. You're going to leave it there for about you know a, a minute before you swallow it. And, and then you just you, you observe how you feel. And, and the nice thing is you're not going to get high. Right. <laughs> you could drink the whole bottle and you wouldn't get high. So there's that. Then we, then we, have, uh, we have soft gels. Again, the same material in a soft gel in case you don't want to taste anything. And each soft gel is standardized, once again, for 30 milligrams, 30 milligrams per soft gel. Now, we do have people who are, who are dealing with, with, you know, uh, neurological issues um, all the way from epilepsy all the way to chronic anxiety. Um, and, and some people are taking you know, like six or eight of those capsules a day. Uh, so, so there's that, that, and then of course we have the topical cream. Now, the nice thing about the topical cream is that it's uh, is standardized to a hundred milligrams of CBD. All right, so a, a two ounce of it would be, uh, you know, 
two ounces would be a, a generous amount to rub on a sore muscle or joint. Um, and then again, you're getting good absorption through a topical application as long as your topical application is is formulated well. Good you carriers. Know, yeah, you got to have a carrier, and, and, and you don't have to have propylene glycol in there, all right, mm -hmm. to, to get it into the stratum cordium or get it through the stratum cordium. But you, you do have to have some way and we use aloe, of course, because aloe is a wonderful delivery mechanism that, that escorts the, the, the CBD molecules uh, through the stratum cordium into the, the, to the tissue where there, where there is inflammation and pain. And then with the transdermal application, Stephen, does that still have CNS effects as well? I, again, I know it's hard to tell and it's kind of a choose your own adventure as far as your outcome, but when we're talking about pain management, um, would someone use both products or would a transdermal or salve have enough efficacy on the central nervous system as well? Uh, my wife is recommending if you, if you're, if you're like, let's say you're trying to get off opioid pain relief mm -hmm. you know, meds, uh, she, she recommends a, a two pronged approach, oh, topical as well as oral. Okay. Uh, we, also, we also have, by the way, a, a, a material called angel butter um, and angel butter is, has a profound effect uh, in terms of relaxation and and just this feeling of it, life is good, um, and angel butter has been used for years. Uh, it, it is it is it is made by a, a grower in Oregon, and what they do is they grow. This is a group in Oregon that's been growing you know pot for years, um, and 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 what they're what they've been doing is they'll they'll these plants are again grown in organic soil, <laughs> right under the most pristine conditions that you can produce for growing this plant, and and so the plants get you know nine twelve feet high. Well, what they do you know towards the end of the growth cycle is they'll take one third of all the leaves off right one third of all the leaves um, and and which actually tells the plant to produce more flowers because the plant is feeling like oh okay I, I, I got to get ready to make more make more plants so with those leaves they then make a uh, a material with uh, coconut oil so they'll take these huge vats of coconut oil, they'll, they'll dump in the, the leaves that they just took off the plant, uh, and they'll leave it at 200 degrees Fahrenheit for about a week. And then they'll, they'll take that material off, strain it, and put it in jars, and, and, and we just think that's the best massage Wow. Um, oil that you could possibly ever use, <laughs> <laughs> and and so there are there's lots of ways uh, to to experiment with with this kind of material, uh, and I'm a big fan of sleep, um, and 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 you know, if you've ever seen any of the Healthy Skeptics blogs, we do a blog uh, you know five days a week, and and oftentimes we talk about sleep just because it's. It's it's an epidemic. Sleep deprivation is an, an, an all-time high, in, in especially in the industrialized world where we have access to the internet uh, and social media and all the different, you know, everyone has a 500-channel TV now. And so it's so tempting to stay up later and later. Um, even if you're, you know, even if you're, all you're doing is you're entertaining yourself. And then of course you have all the people who are staying up later and later because we're all connected 24 seven to our jobs. So, so that net result is that 
probably eight out of 10 people are not getting the quality sleep that they need. And sleep is responsible for the repair of your beautiful brain. Oh, yeah. All that so, autophagy and the beneficial neuroprotective influencers. Absolutely. So we're really big on helping people get to sleep and get into the S4 sleep, which is the, the slowest wave sleep, where all the repair happens, where all the immune stimulation occurs. So getting people into S4, we've done some pretty good work in a sleep lab here in, here in, in Seattle. Um, we've done some pretty good work with the, the topical application of various CBD materials. And, and the one that, re, that <laughs> produced the best results was this angel butter, which okay. is Anyway, awesome, awesome. That's so cool. That's that's (laughs) yeah, right. That's personally been the I think biggest influencer. I I've been using CBD in my coffee and also before bed, and the quality of sleep um, and just feeling more resilient and well rested has made an incredible influence on cognition, mood stability, and also I I think on managing stress response. Uh, Even if I don't incorporate that during my day, the residual effects of the qualitative sleep, as you mentioned, Stephen, I think carries you the following day and, and can help that, as Becky mentioned, HPA access regulation or that fight or flight mechanism to be a little bit less hypersensitive or jumpy, if you will, um, I think when we get into that, that deep state. I, I, t- I totally agree. And, and, and again, for, for baby boomers, and I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. I was born in 1948, so I'm, I'm, that, I'm right there at the, at, the, at the early end of the baby boom generation. And for us, uh, the, the availability of, of CBDs, um, as you mentioned, in all 50 states, legal in all 50 states, that has, that has come at the exact right time because, because number one, as you get older, um, you sleep quality tends to decline. Uh, insomnia, the rates of insomnia tends to increase. Um, and CBDs is, is, is a godsend for baby boomers uh, because without that influence, without that harmonizing, balancing influence, we can get into some pretty dark places, um, especially when you look at Alzheimer's um, and, and of course, the connection there between Alzheimer's and, this, and, and the, the HPA axis is profound. The, the, the effect of DHEA uh, cannot be overlooked. Uh, and DHEA, as you can imagine, has an effect on the endocannabinoid system. Uh, it doesn't bind directly to CB1 or CB2, but it has a profound effect on, on, on the brain. It has a profound effect on, and, and how do we know that? It's synthesized in the brain. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> and why would the brain make a neuroactive steroid? Well, let's let's take a look at that in another, in another probably another show. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> we could do. Um, and let's real quick. I I know a lot of our listeners uh, follow a ketogenic diet. So when you say things like you know the MCT is the carrier, that's something that a lot of our listeners are familiar with. The high nourishing fat approach to, um, you know, a therapeutic diet. How about the influence of CBD on metabolism and hormones? I think that's something that we didn't mention that I just, well, DHEA, of course, being a a steroidal precursor to to hormonal expression. Um, Let's just talk a little bit on on, uh, hormonal or metabolic influences of CBD. Well, I I wish I could, I wish I could kind of point to studies where, where 
where they looked at specific hormones and, and the secretion of specific hormones in, in various tissues and organs. Um, but I don't, I don't have that information in, in front of me. Again, as a, as a general rule, um, if you look at the activity of the endocannabinoid system in maintaining homeostasis, you would imagine that that, that would have an effect on the adrenals, which you talked about the, having a, of course, remember the seesaw relationship between cortisol and DHEA is, is pretty profound. Uh, and as we get older, uh, the, the cortisol levels tend to climb as DHEA levels fall. And so one would imagine that it would help because by lowering cortisol, you would in the seesaw fashion, you would tend to see an increase in DHEA. But I've not, you know, and I'm Mr. DHEA, so I've not seen any uh, any studies evaluating the DHEA sulfate serum levels of DHEA sulfate in the blood relative to the intake of cannabinoids. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, if somebody had a grant they wanted to give me, I would <laughs> Hello. do that. And I would expect that there would be a modest increase in, in DHEAS. We have seen uh, a reduction in sex hormone binding globulin. Okay. And, and that I think is also significant because uh, you could have you could have testosterone levels in the normal range, but sex hormone binding globulin in the high range, which means there is not enough testosterone free to actually get the job done. And so a, a reduction in sex hormone binding globulin would tend to indicate better testosterone metabolism. Um, and so that's, that's interesting. Right. And if, if you have any, any information on those factors, I, I would love to kind of see that in, in, and explore that with you for an, another time. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of our, a couple of our myths we had highlighted and just to kind of summarize for listeners. So one of our myths that we're demystifying today is that CBD will not get you high or induce psychosis. Uh, it will not cause a failed drug test because they're, you know, especially if you're using a pure CBD formula. And so this is where a lot of the neuroprotective benefits uh, we were talking before this call started, uh, as I'd heard in a couple other guest podcasts, the use of it in, for instance, like post-concussive syndrome with football or injuries. Again, this is something that can be legally used regardless of your field of work because drug tests test for THC. So you could not fail a drug test by using a CBD product. And the third one, which I think is some metabolic influence, is that it, it will not give you the munchies. We kind of talked about the, the dopamine influence of that but on listeners that are looking for still their weight loss with their New Year's resolutions and whatnot, it doesn't seem to provoke appetite or stimulate appetite on a metabolic level in the same sense that, that THC would, for instance, or, or that it's kind of known for. Um, so I think that's another area to, to not feel uh, concerned about as far as if you're playing with consumption. No, I, I would totally agree. In fact, for, for people who are stress eaters, uh, CBDs have a pretty profound effect on reducing stress eating. Well, because GABA helps with impulse control, right? So as you regulate your GABA response, you're not going to have that that impulsivity type action um, to 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 kind of reach out in that mindless munching or that, like you said, that anxious eating for certain. Exactly. 
Awesome. So we've gotten so much. There, there is enough for, I think, another episode here um, entirely, like talking, speaking to the research and, and you know, what is to come. Um, but thank you so much, Stephen, for being a valuable resource and just shining a light on a tool that I think is going to serve a lot of our clients. And I know Allie and I have started using it clinically, um, but it's just so empowering to have this information and um, we're, we're just all about self-empowerment. Um, so as we wrap up here, since we're a food is medicine podcast, we always ask our guests for their 24 hour recall. So <laughs> I want to hear, cause we're dietitians, right? I want to hear, um, what you ate yesterday from the time that you woke up to the time that you went to sleep. <laughs> we didn't well, give you that as a, a no. <laughs> well, I'm happy to do that because, because, uh, it, it any of my listeners know that uh, that I have a pretty extensive organic uh, garden, uh, a small orchard. Uh, we we have our own chickens, our own ducks, um, and so so Natalie and I, my wife and I, pretty much um, are are eating as close to nature as we can possibly get. We're big fans of eggs, um, and so. We, Yesterday morning, we went out to the barn and, and we got uh, chicken eggs and, and a few duck eggs. Um, and so that was our breakfast. Um, and, and, you know, I have no problem with gluten. So I had, I had uh, regular whole grain toast. Natalie had gluten-free toast. Um, we have some homemade blueberry jam, um, and we're now making aronia jam uh, out of aronia berries, which I, you know, that's, that's something very exciting. Um, and that was pretty much it. Now it was a pretty big breakfast, so we were both able to skip lunch. Um, and and yesterday was a very blustery day, but we live on a high bluff overlooking Puget Sound, um, and the walk down to the the walk down to Puget Sound uh, is a is a beautiful path um, over you know alongside a, a flowing stream. Uh, so it's a beautiful way to get exercise, and and the way back up is a much steeper trail, um, and so that we use as our strenuous exercise period. So you know that's what we did in the afternoon. Uh, we came back and we had a a organic you know, roasted chicken, uh, and we had that um, with. Uh, some red potatoes um, and steamed vegetables, and that's pretty much it. Later on in the evening, we fired up our our, our uh, infrared sauna, uh, and we ended the day with a with a nice uh, uh, sauna, and then um, to bed because uh, Monday's an early day for us. Uh, we're both up at about five o'clock, uh, getting ready for the day. Uh, Natalie off to her clinic, and and me off to the tasks that I have to do for healthy skeptics. So that was pretty much it. Awesome. Love it. And um, I did my undergrad at Bastyr University outside of Seattle. And I'm like, in bl I'm just smiling. If, you know, you can't see me, but I'm smiling. I'm envisioning you out there. <laughs> I've been to Olympia a couple times for travels. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful area of the country. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge with our audience, Stephen. We'll be sure to put links on our show notes to the health healthyskeptics.com, um, as well as uh, some additional links of products that you've mentioned. Definitely that angel butter <laughs> needs to go on there um, and where listeners can learn more about your work. And um, 
thank you so much. We're so grateful to be able to share your knowledge base and hopefully a tool that now you listeners can have less anxiety to play with personally and get the benefits of the immune and inflammatory modulating effects of this powerful plant extract. Thanks so much. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.